MLA Trees and News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. I'm joined today by Eric. Oh, my God. It's 9-11. What a day. What wow. a day to choose to record. I truly just realized it this moment because <laughs> I was an idiot and I went out last night and your girl stayed up too late. So I woke up very, very hazy. Uh, mm. and I didn't realize what the date was. So <laughs> happy nine 11. I didn't realize it until, I mean, you asked me to do this and I was like, yeah, absolutely. And then like in the middle of the night while I was working, I was like, oh my, are we doing this? Are we? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, apparently here we are. Uh, we don't have to talk about it. I, I really, um, am not interested in people's uh, stories about where they were on 9-11. Allison, where like were you on 9-11? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I uh, pass, hard pass. <laughs> so I wanted to talk about, obviously, we're going to get to recommendations, all mm -hmm. that good stuff. But I wanted to mention at the top of the show, something happened recently that I think is so funny but let me tell you, did not go down well in the room when I was like, huh? So I took Desi to the vet just for like a checkup. He's fine. I mean, he's mm -hmm. an idiot, but he's fine. Um, sure. And while I was there, I was like, hey, he's been doing this thing for years where he like over grooms. And of course, we had to rule out the possibility of like, fleas or anything like that which we did many many times with him he had no fleas but i used like flea bombs because we were like maybe it's this nothing has helped so we finally get to this place where the vet is like i think he might be ocd and we should put him on prozac and i was like oh we have matching mental illnesses and the vet was like not into it like i thought it was the funniest thing in the world and he just stared at me but i was like we have matching mental illnesses that's amazing yeah you're like hey we can share medicine if we have to i did think about that where i was like can i take cat prozac but i was like don't allison <laughs> don't take cat medication that's where i'm at don't take the cat's medication don't do it yeah, so Desi's OCD. So excited for him that he has received a diagnosis that will improve the quality of his life. Yeah. Uh, how are you doing? How's the shit with you guys? Uh, it's good. Uh, it's pretty much the same, you know. Uh, Durham instituted an indoor mask mandate again, so that's fun. Oh, um, congratulations. Yeah, I went to a real live concert the other day. I did too. Who did you see? I went to see a. Uh, I'm, I do not know how to pronounce his name. Great. I should have. I should have looked it up, and I didn't. But I went to see him. Um, he's a guitarist. Uh, the name is spelled M D O U. That's his first name. Okay. Last last name Mokhtar. M O C T A R. Mm -hmm wonderful uh tareg guitarist mm -hmm. um was a great show and uh opening was a local band called speed stick um mm -hmm. it was uh, all around just a great time it was the first time in quite a while i'd been to a show to see it's a such band a weird feeling like i saw uh, alanis morissette and cat power was opening 
And we took edibles. So I was just like on another level. (laughs) And it was just so weird. Like there was this group of teenage girls in front of us with their parents, which was very weird. And they were like passing around. uh, It was weird because they were passing a joint back and forth. (laughs) and they were blowing pot smoke like in our faces which actually is very pleasant i like the smell of marijuana so i was not like turned off by that but then it occurred to me like oh your air is like blowing into my face and it's a pandemic should i be freaking out right now and then like my high brain was just like nope (laughs) i was like cool (laughs) and everything was fine we all got tested like three days after the concert sure. were all negative, but it did occur to me in that moment where I was like, am I being the stupidest woman alive right now? <laughs> I, the thing is, I feel you live in New York. It's inescapable. Like I, you know well, what I, I mean? Like to this venue, we were outdoors. So it was like this right. the quote unquote safest way to see a concert. I feel like. Mm-hmm. I just, it, it was just like, the funniest thing to me was, was when I came back to New York was like people putting on masks and riding the subway. I'm like, good on you, but like you're on the subway. I have to say though, wearing a mask on the subway, like I don't get sick anymore. It does help yeah. a lot. I, be- I believe it helps. I just, yeah, I, it's just, I don't know. You, I mean, any major metro area, I'm just like, it's a germ factory. It's going to oh, happen. Yeah. I mean, the city's disgusting. <laughs> it has helped that I've been work from home and I very rarely am on the subway and I can like choose when I'm going to be around people now. I think that's a big part of it too, which is yeah, nice. It is nice. I hope it lasts forever. I don't know why <laughs> any business has a physical office. Right? It's dumb. Okay. So <laughs> any other updates? Um, I don't think so. I mean, I've pretty much just been chilling. Um, yeah, I, I went to a show. Uh, I bought a new bass. I've been playing a little bit of music. It's been Hell nice. Yeah. Nice. We Otherwise, love to hear it. Pretty chill. Okay, so let's get into recommendations. I have quite a few, but let's do one in one. So I'm not just like talking straight <laughs> for 30 minutes. So I saw Candyman, which I feel like is an appropriate recommendation, and I am recommending it since we are rapidly approaching spooky season. Candyman, uh, produced by Jordan Peele, also screenplay by Jordan Peele, um, and Nia DaCosta, who directed the film as well, starring Yahya Abdul-Mateen II. He's in everything now, man. He's in the new Matrix movie coming out. If you saw Watchmen, he was in that as well. He's a great actor. So I'm recommending it, and I liked it a lot. I'm not saying it's without its flaws. It's definitely very didactic. Like, there's no subtext in Candyman. Like, they wanted to make a political statement, and then they just said it out loud, and it was like, okay, uh, we're all on the same page at least. But, yeah, it's not a subtle film by any means. Uh, It's beautiful the way it's shot. It is just like captivating there's a a scene in Candyman, and i won't say what it is because it's a spoiler but it's like top five moments in horror films for me it was like really really beautiful wow 
Um, yeah, that's strong. It, that's strong coming from you. Yeah, I love horror films, as we all know. But yeah, I thought it was very strong, and I'm very excited to see what Nia DaCosta does. Um, I'm not even going to tell you how old she is because you will truly put your fist through a wall. She's so <laughs> she just got a Marvel film, so she's about to blow the fuck up. I mean, she's already blown the fuck up. She directed Candyman. But I'm really excited because she's like at the very, very, very beginning of her career and she's already mm -hmm. very good. So it's like, ooh, what is what's going to happen with this lady? It's going to be amazing. Allison, this is becoming a theme between you and I is just talking <laughs> about young people that make us furious. Oh, my God. I just I mean, young people in general make me <laughs> furious. And then if they're talented, I'm like, get away from me. Don't what stand the near me. You're giving <laughs> my shine by being near me. Yeah, I'm already considered dead by industry standards. <laughs> like people probably think I'm dead. Yeah. So another recommendation, and, and this is very much outside of my wheelhouse and on paper, it should be a show that I hate and it's fantastic. Uh, <laughs> Dave on FX, have you heard about this show? Oh my God. I can't believe this. I have not watched it. I've specifically Eric? not watched it. Eric? I have specifically avoided watching it. Eric, I'm no hyperbole. It's amazing. I don't believe it. it I it's don't. It's so good. And it took me so long to, let me tell you why I started watching it. I listened to a lot of podcasts and I listened to mm -hmm. three consecutive podcasts where Mr. John Gabrus recommended Dave. And it just became <laughs> so funny to me. And also Gabrus is such a bro, you know, like yeah. It's such a bro. So I was like, let me see what Gabrus is into. But like how he was plugging it was he was like, it's actually this really great model of male friendships at a time when I think men, like straight men, straight cis men especially, need to know that it's okay to talk about your mental health. It's okay to like be honest with your friends. And true friendship means supporting each other. And like being mm -hmm. okay with like physicality, like hugging each other and stuff like that. And he made it seem like this really like beautiful messaging. So I was like, let me check out the show. And I swear to you, it is a sweet, wonderful depiction of male friendship. <laughs> and I'm shocked because it is about a white male rapper, which again, on paper, I'm like, ugh. but they deal with everything. They deal with the fact that he has white privilege. He is in this um, majority black music genre industry and what does that mean and why is he getting attention while other artists aren't like they really really grapple with like big stuff yeah i just have avoided because i find the actual guy dicky so annoying i i just can't yes. bring like i have not been able to bring myself to watch it i know and like <laughs> again you have to take my word for it he is a a very very good actor but B, they explore that persona and like why he is that way and who he actually is as Dave, which is why it's called Dave. It's it's about Dave. Right. It's not about Little Dicky. So you're not gonna watch <laughs> Little Dicky for like twelve episodes or however many it is. Um, but yeah, I I highly I mean I cried at the end of uh during the season finale. Wow. This is so good. All right. Yeah. I think you convinced me. I'll watch it. Check it out and let me know what you think too. Cause I am curious. <laughs> yeah, I will. I just, I literally like, I saw what it was like when I first saw uh -huh. people talking about it, I was like, what is this show everyone's talking about? And then I saw the, I saw a little Dickie and I was like, absolutely not. 
Yeah, I mean, I should say too, like it is a comedy, so blanket yeah. warning where it's like my my tolerance for stuff may not be your tolerance for stuff. There's like some gross out humor bits, all that stuff. But um, yeah, just like, I don't know. I, I feel like I hope young men watch it and like model their friendships on the show. Cause I'm like, man, if more men could openly talk about what they're going through like this could rely on their male friends to be like supportive and not make fun of them. Like how different the world would be. Right. And the fact that Dave on FX is promoting this <laughs> message is just so wild, but makes me so happy. Yeah. That's fine. Uh, so do you have any recommendations before I just keep steamrolling? Yeah. I'm going to recommend the complete opposite. Great. Uh, Love it. Billions is back. Oh my God. New, epi new episodes. Wait, Eric, how did we not talk about this? I watched the entirety of Homeland. I was going to bring that up next. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you actually surpassed me because I have not finished it. Okay. I got, I got sidetracked in season four. Oh, you know I what? Wait, wait, hold on. I don't, I didn't quite finish. I think I have like two or three episodes left in the last season. Okay. Uh, but it just it listen it it's not good after a while and it like it just goes on and on and on and on but yeah i'll, I'll say season 1 which uh is why can i never remember his name Damien Lewis Damien Lewis thank you yeah. uh it was his his season and he's spectacular in like everything he's so good i i don't watch a ton of like drama tv shows I, it's hard for me to remember a show that just like so quickly goes to a hundred <laughs> as Homeland. And like, like it's it's a really interesting exercise in a group of writers basically being like, "Well, we've reached the craziest place we could get to. <laughs> How do we keep this show going?" And they just keep figuring it out for a while. And it's sort of amazing to see just from like a writing perspective where it's like, man, you really wrote, um, what's his name? Um, Vince Gilligan always said that with Breaking Bad, they would deliberately write themselves into a corner where they were like, fuck, like, where do we go from here? And then they just have to figure it out, which is what makes interesting television. Cause you can't like, if you can anticipate the plot, it's boring. Right. I, you texted me at one point and were like, I think they just solved the question of like, how do we top this by just writing a crazy, crazier character? Than Carrie, yeah, Claire Danes' yeah, yeah. character. Because she's yeah, just, so, I mean, not to be, you know, she has a legit mental illness. Right. She's bipolar right, right. in the show, so I don't want to use the word crazy. But, right. I mean, in addition to that, her behavior is so wild that after a while, it's sort of like, I mean, they would have imprisoned this woman. Like... <laughs> Why is she still working for the CIA? Why is she still like walking free? And then they introduce a character that's even crazier. And it's like, oh, okay. Like, so by comparison, she seems <laughs> like, yeah. tame. Um, but yeah, it, How... uh, I would, I don't know if it's a good show. I would say like season one is definitely good. And some of the seasons after it are good. But then it, yeah. it it's not good after a while. Yeah, it's super, it's definitely not good. Uh, it's, interesting to watch um i do like the characters and i'll basically watch anything that mandy patinkin does um oh he's so fucking good wait what season did you say you're on i think 
for now. I, okay. I either either at the end of four or at the beginning of five. You 100% have to finish the series because I have to tell you yeah. my all-time favorite Mandy Patinkin moment in Homeland, which is one of my favorite moments of anything I've ever seen. Great. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to finish <laughs> that this so weekend. He's so good. He's so good. He's so um, good. I mean, but... Claire, Claire Danes is great, too. She's just like her character. It just like she grates on you so much after a while. Halfway through the series, I was like, is this just a show about a woman who likes to sleep with terrorists? Like, is that, is that they, the plot of this they, show? They rely on that a lot. And listen, I, I'm not saying that female spies don't do that. And and male spies do that as well. But the fact yeah. that that is constantly her strategy, <laughs> she's like, so now we fuck. And the men are always into it. No man is ever yeah. like, this is wild behavior from you lady like you need to back up they're always so into it which is funny yeah it's oh man yeah it's so good um yeah so i've been watching that um you know just the old standbys this is like um there are like currently running seasons of of master chef and hell's kitchen been watching those hell yeah um and like i said billions is back i've been waiting on billions to come back for so long I don't even remember uh, where I stopped watching it. I like wouldn't even know how to pick it back up. But um, yeah, Damien's great in that too. Paul Giamatti, yeah. like amazing, amazing. Our friend. Our friend. It? Oh, oh my God. That's right. I forgot. Ava's in it. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's so funny. Is she, um, is she like a regular character? She is on this season. Yeah. Nice. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's good times. I completely forgot that. It's so fun. it's so weird when your friend is in a show because there's no way to not be taken out of it in that moment. <laughs> it's like, oh, you've been in my apartment. <laughs> I know, right? It's so strange. <laughs> yeah. So I have other recommendations. I've been watching Only Murders in the Building, which is uh, Steve Martin and Martin Short's new show and Selena Gomez. And it's about some Upper East Siders who live in a very fancy building and someone in the building is murdered and Martin Short is obsessed with podcasts and decide, he decides that they should make a podcast about this murder. And it is, I could watch Steve Martin and Martin Short interact on screen literally all day and never get bored. I, they're incredible. I've not watched this show. I'm going to press this thing. I don't even know what show you're talking about. It, you should <laughs> but watch it. It, sounds, yeah. it sounds fantastic. Mm -hmm. But just in general, Steve Martin and Martin Short, just the greatest. Um, yeah. And I have to say, too, Selena Gomez holds her own with them. Um, but it's on Hulu right now. If you have Hulu, you can check it out there. Apparently, it was oh. like their most streamed show ever i think they said like a debut wow they like huge numbers for it which makes sense because you have two comedy legends and selena gomez has like a huge fan base yeah of course. um but she she's really good she uh uh she has like a very daria delivery in it she's very monotone very dry but it works because like martin short's so big in everything he does that it's like a good balance i feel like it works really well yeah i remember listening to um there was an old podcast that's hasn't been running for years now that um will hines and anthony king hosted called don't get me started 
Yes. And they do they do an episode in that show about how they're both obsessed with Steve Martin. Uh-huh. And like specifically like like for like when I was growing up, I only knew Steve Martin as like the like movie star for lack of yeah. you know, as yeah. like doing these like pretty family friendly comedies, you know, just sort of like really, you know, cheaper by the dozen and all these movies and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And then like there were movies that came out, I guess, around the time I was born, like, you know, all the classic movies like The Jerk or or Roxanne or whatever. But like his stand up is like incredibly underrated. Like he is oh, yeah. a genius stand up. Yeah. And most importantly, still very hot. So <laughs> yeah. good on you. Still a little charmer. He's got he's got like a love interest in the show. And I'm like, all right, Steve. Okay. <laughs> I see you. So also recommended, and I put this, this is like up there with me never having seen um oh, what was the one that you got so mad at me that I had never seen? Do you remember? Where you're like, I can't believe you've never seen this. Oh my goodness. I it I know, I don't remember what it is at this point. I remember being upset about something, but I don't remember what it is now. Okay. Oh yeah. Goodness. I, I don't remember either. I just oh, remember no. you got so mad at me when you were like, how why did you never see this? That's so weird. But uh, what we do in the shadows, I had never seen. And oh, I yeah. told Meredith this and she lost her mind. And she's like, you <laughs> have to go watch it immediately. Like, what are you doing? You're in the comedy world. Like, how have you never seen what we do in the shadows? Like, literally every comedy person is in it. Yeah. And binge watched it. I'm watching um, the new season now, and it's a fucking delight, okay? You're all right. You were all right. <laughs> it's so funny and so, like, oddly sweet. And, yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan. Have you seen it? Uh, I've seen some of it, not all of it. Okay. I'm, not, I'm not up on it, but I have seen it, and it is very good. It's very, very good. It's so good that I don't mind the uh, mock documentary style, which is so fucking old at this point. But <laughs> they were ahead of the curve. They were doing it like the original version. They were doing it before anybody else. So I, I understand they were one of the first shows to do it. But at this point, I'm like, if I see one more show that's a <laughs> fake, like a mockumentary, I'm going to lose my mind. Do you think The Office killed it? A hundred percent. No, you know who really put the nail in the coffin? Modern Family. Oh, uh, yeah. It was just yeah. like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Because it was again, funny, but tedious. Very tedious. And again, uh, I know people who wrote for Modern Family. Great show. Very funny. But that style after a while, I was just like, oh, I don't want to see another show ever do this again. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, and then I also got to see Shang-Chi, which was so fun. Again, it was like, it had been so long since I had been in a, not a crowded movie theater. I would say it was like two-thirds full, which for a Marvel film is very unusual. Um, It's usually packed opening weekend, Mm. but it was so nice to see it with like a really excited crowd you know and like a lot of like you know i don't i don't know like asian asian american people who came to like support and that was really cool to see right. and uh there was a little girl next to me who was just so excited to see it and i was like this is awesome i'm glad that we're all here together seeing this movie and the movie is a fucking delight it's so good i highly recommend it 
like, listen, it's a Marvel film, so does it Marvel out at the end? And is it a hundred percent insane CGI? <laughs> yes. Okay. But before that, we have this like beautiful love story, and like S- Simu Lu is or uh, Simu Lu is how you say his name. He's amazing. Mm-hmm. Aquafina, who listen. I know she's not everybody's cup of tea, but she's great in this, and she doesn't have her black scent on. She's, like, talking, like, how she actually talks, and (laughs) it's great. There's some legends in this film, too. Um, Tony, uh, I don't know how you say his name, but I've, like, recognized him from a bunch of, like, different martial arts movies. Um, Mm -hmm. Tony Lung Chu, I think? I'm sorry. I'm just like trying to remember this off the top of my head. Um, and Michelle Yeoh, who's like been in a bunch of stuff. Oh yeah. yeah, Nice. And, uh, yeah, but like seeing these two legends interact on screen was just so wonderful. And like their love story is so beautiful. There's just like legit good cinematography in this film and crazy fight scenes. Like again, when you have, um, Jackie Chan's, fight team choreographing your movie you know it's going to be wild and there's a a fight scene on the bus that again is one of the wildest fight scenes i've ever seen (laughs) and i was like i'm so happy watching this it's so fun because like the best martial arts films know that your fighting style is an extension of your personality so everybody should fight in a unique way and they give everybody's fighting style like a uniqueness that's so fun and like like really beautiful stuff like the fact that you know shang chi inherits some of his fighting style from his mother and like the fact that he has this really complicated relationship with his father when he like hits his mother's stance at the end to fight his dad it's like very powerful in a surprising way um but yeah, I, I highly recommend it. Go support it because some of the executives were saying dumb shit about only releasing Shang-Chi in the theater as like a quote unquote experiment. And Simu like went on Twitter and he was like, we're not an experiment. Like, don't use that word. We're <laughs> part of this franchise and you should like treat us with respect. I'm paraphrasing. But essentially he was like, we're not an experiment. That is a shitty way to talk about us. Um, and then they absolutely crushed at the box office and it's a, a smash hit and yeah. Nice. I need to go. I, I can walk to a movie theater in like five minutes and I need to go to a movie theater. Do, is it like a small theater where they have like only like three or four or is it like a huge theater? Uh, no, it's a bigger theater. It's an AMC 15. Oh yeah. That's legit. Yeah, oh yeah. my god. Go see movies. What are you doing? Get the um the AMC pass, whatever the hell that's called. Yeah, I think I should. I, I should go see more movies. I had planned on I told uh some of my coworkers I was I was planning on going to do a double feature. I guess later it was supposed to be, I guess later this month or next month, I was gonna go double feature Dune and Jackass. Um, but they moved back Jackass. Jackass, so. I know. People were devastated. No, no double feature, but I will, I do, I should just start walking over there and going to see more movies. You absolutely should. I, uh, we can go a little bit over cause I wanted to get to some Patreon comments and questions. Sure. So 
I want to ask you this because I fielded this question on my own uh, one of the other weeks, and I was like, I shouldn't have done this. I should have like waited for a co-host, but I'll ask you this now. If you could, first of all, have you ever done an escape room? No, I have not. Wild to me because I feel like that is that should be part of like that is part of your personality. It's a hundred percent. I could never get people to go. Cause it was always like, we're going to go like, it was always like going to be like a big group thing as a part of like something else. But I, it was, I could never just get people to just like, let's just go to an escape room. You do need people who are like very into it. Like the only reason I, I've only done it twice and both times was cause Charles organized it. And Charles was like, so into escape rooms right. that he wanted to do it for like his birthday. So we were all like, hell yeah. And like Chris came with us and Chris is super into uh, escape rooms and his boyfriend, Will, was there quietly tolerating it. And (laughs) (laughs) I don't think he's as obsessed with escape rooms as Chris, but it was super fun. And then, yeah, Chloe came. It was super, super fun. But so the question we got was if you could do any kind of themed escape room, what kind Mm. of themed escape room would you want to do? Which again, I think you can answer, even though you've never done an escape room. Absolutely, I. Uh, that's a great question. I think the first thing that like a like a library. Oh, that's really cool. Like a library. That's a really cool room. idea. Yeah. Because I feel like it'd be a lot to play with in terms of like making clues or like clues that lead to clues that lead to clues you know rummaging through books and yeah that definitely seems more intellectual than a lot of escape rooms i've done i i don't know if intellectual is the right word but like i think it would be more difficult to have varying uh clues you know that feels like it would be a lot of clues and books yeah i was i was thinking too probably i mean i i in terms of like actual escape rooms that could be built, yeah, it would probably be very, very constrained on what you could do. But I was thinking like, yeah, you got all the shelves. You probably got thing, you know, stuff you could play with with the shelves or like behind well, the, the shelves. Well, the thing with escape rooms is usually you are escaping into other rooms. So like a wall will open up. Ooh, or, interesting. Yeah. And that's okay. the thing. Like you, you don't know what the limit of it is. You just know how much time you have. Right. So right. you never know if you're like actually close to the end and you just have to keep like full <laughs> throttle going. Listen, for someone with anxiety, it's insane that I like to do <laughs> escape rooms this much, but it, they are so fun. And also sometimes the uh, people who run the escape room will interact with you and give you clues. And there was a point that we were so fucking hysterical, just like screaming at each other that the uh, organizers came onto the mic to give us a clue, but we could hear that they were laughing <laughs> because they could see us freaking out. <laughs> and I was like, that's very fun. Yeah. It's like a fun saw, you know, they're always watching. <laughs> so Aaron writes in and they've got a recommendation. Mm-hmm. They say, I've just started watching a great show, Work in Progress, found on Apple TV. It's about a 40-something-year-old down-on-herself lesbian. She starts dating a very chipper, very sexually experienced 22-year-old trans guy. Their dynamic is awkward and fumbly and hilarious. 
The show covers important topics such as STI reveals and being perceived as a man in, the in a woman's washroom uh, in funny and tactful ways. Worth checking out. Great recommendation. I've never heard of this show. Yeah, never. I, I haven't either. Yeah. Um, and thank you. That is a perfect example of how to send a recommendation. Like, short, succinct. I know what it's about. I know where to watch it. Beautiful yeah. job. We love to see it. So, okay, I'm going to save the rest of these. Again, don't panic if you sent me one and I haven't gotten to it yet. I just need to pick an episode where I read all of them up top because I never get to them because of recommendations or I'll answer mm -hmm. one like we just did. <laughs> it takes me so long to get through them. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much again for your support. Once again, we're a 100% listener-supported show. If you go to patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny, for as little as $5 a month, you can support the show. Uh, after so many years of me providing free content, give me $5. <laughs> give me that $5 so I can pay Eric, too, and pay for hosting fees. Oh, you pay for everything. Thank you so much. And yeah let's get into it guys it's that time of the show let's all hold hands and cry <gasps> here's your bad news well the big bad news item of this week is clearly texas uh and their six-week abortion ban which the Justice Department has since called unconstitutional. They're uh, challenging it with a lawsuit. It doesn't seem like they're going to be successful because this, um, this abortion ban specifically concerns private citizens and basically reporting people who are getting abortions. And some might say putting a bounty on the head <laughs> of people who are seeking abortions in a very dystopian uh, type way. So again, like those of us who have been following the extreme rights attack on uh, reproductive uh, freedoms, we anticipated this. We knew it was going to happen. And now it seems like, um, yeah, I, I don't think at this point anybody should be surprised if Roe v. Wade goes the way of the dinosaurs. Well, and I think this bill is a... We've had examples of things like this in the past, and I think it's a good reminder that, to your point, like, you don't need to do anything about Roe v. Wade, right? Exactly, yeah. You know, they they can just find ways around it. Like this is a perfect example of it where it's like, yeah, they're not, I mean, as far as I understand the bill, it's, it's not like they're saying like, you can't do this. It's just saying like, well, now people can sue you if you get an abortion. We'll make you your lives like, hell. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's how they get around this stuff and they do stuff like this. They've tried and succeeded in doing stuff like this all the time by, you know, increasing regulation so that, all you know abortion clinics have to close down because they and can't like, meet the regulations they sort of attack via minutiae where it's like yeah it's mm -hmm. stuff like oh your hallway is not wide enough so it's a safety hazard so we have to close you down so like ostensibly it's not them saying we're anti 
choice and that's why we're it's a safety thing we're really concerned like can you get the women to the hospital in time if there's an a medical emergency and the clinic will be like but we've never had an emergency like that and they're like yeah but theoretically <laughs> could you do it and yeah right. they, they attack like that one they love to use is um that they that they used i know specifically in mississippi and i think arkansas and maybe alabama but um they would impose these regulations where uh, if you're an abortion provider like with a with your own clinic um you have to have admitting privileges admitting privileges to a local hospital um mm -hmm. so that you know if something goes wrong you could take a patient to the local hospital as opposed right. to your private clinic but the thing with that type of regulation is the hospital can just deny you for whatever reason right. like that they're, they're not obligated to give you admitting privileges no matter what standard of care you meet or like what credentials you have like you have to go ask them for admitting privileges and they can just deny you for any reason so of course if you're in the like rural mississippi uh yeah like the the hospital you know administration can just be like well we just won't give them admitting privileges and then the, the, it, it functionally shuts down the service even with roe v wade intact Right. That's a great point, Eric. I have to interrupt it, however, to tell you that Desi just meeped in his sleep. Oh, my goodness. I just heard meep. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck is that? And I looked over and he's dreaming. I, I don't know what kind of dream he could be having where he would meep. Those good, good OCD drug dreams. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Maybe he's tripping <laughs> balls. <gasps> Does he meep now? Do the drugs make him meep? It might. Oh, wow. Okay. I'll, I'll keep you all updated. Oh, yeah. I just have a general plea to my fellow white women. Can we please stop bringing up The Handmaid's Tale? <laughs> <laughs> when shit like this happens, it's just like a, a way to center white women in a discussion where, like, let's be real. The people who are going to be affected by stuff like Texas, what's happening in Texas, are like poor women of color. And when you bring up The Handmaid's Tale, everybody automatically thinks of Elizabeth Moss. And I understand it's shorthand for like a patriarchal dystopian future, but I feel like there are other ways of expressing that that don't center a, a majority white cast in this fictional show, you know? And also like, who's, who's swayed by that? <laughs> like, Who's when you bring up the handmaid tale? Like I don't, I don't think anybody's super affected by that analogy. Like, well, that's why I think people use it as like shorthand to like get on the same page. Like we all know what we're talking about when I say handmaid's tale, right? So I right. understand why some people are using it as shorthand, but I'm just saying I, I think it's doing a disservice to the people who are actually going to be hurt by right. SB8. You know, so let's just remember who the right are actually trying to go after. Like it's not these. Like these wealthy white politicians, if their daughter gets pregnant and needs an abortion, she going to get an abortion. You know, they're they're not g trying to affect wealthy white people. <laughs> they're they're right. going after poor brown people because um they're racist. <laughs> right. Yeah. So that obviously was the big bad news item of the week. Just yeah, I don't want to like downplay the significance of it because when I talk about abortion a lot on this show, I talk about the fact that like the right's never going to be successful in getting rid of abortion, right? Like abortion will always exist, 
but they are making it very, very, very dangerous for marginalized people who need access to abortions. So like right. if you are, again, poor, brown, you live hundreds of miles away from the nearest abortion clinic, they are going to force you into a pregnancy that you you don't want. And that's wrong. Um, so when I say like they're never going to get rid of abortion, I'm not saying that this isn't horrible, you know, like it it's really horrible and it's going to get people killed, you know, because what's the only alternative if you want to terminate a pregnancy and you can't do it safely in a clinic, you're going to try to abort it yourself. And that's when it gets really dangerous. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, yeah, I don't have anything to add. I mean, that it's the perfect, you know, summation of that. It's just like, it's not going away. It's just taking away safe, you know, safe options for people. Um, And it's just going to create, you know, not only is it a matter of like, like if there's no safe way to do it, they're going to take, you know, dangerous ways to do it, but it's going to become more increasingly dangerous because people are going to get desperate and more desperate and they'll be willing to try anything. Yeah. And like, I really encourage people to learn about the history of the anti-choice movement in this country, because what should give us all hope is that it's a relatively new phenomenon. Like even going back to the 80s, the religious right were not concerned with abortion for the most part in this country. It just wasn't a big issue for them. So in that way, it reminds me of ICE, you know, where it's this institution that isn't old and that means we can dismantle it, you know? So in that way, the anti-choice movement in this country isn't very old. So there could very well still be like the tides can turn relatively easily. You know, we have like a younger generation coming up and the majority of Americans do want safe access to abortion. So like the numbers are on our side, the timeline is on our side. So don't think of this as an inevitability, you know? Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what else did I want to talk about? Oh, I meant to ask you this up top and I wanted to talk about climate change in general with um, <laughs> these huge storms that are coming so regularly now. Yeah. Did you guys get hit hard with Ida? Uh, no, I mean, we got some rain, but we didn't get any flooding or anything. Well, Lottie fucking da. We were underwater <laughs> in New York. Yeah, how were you? How did you... Oh, you know what I immediately said? I immediately texted Charles. So for the listeners who don't know, I used to live with Charles and Chloe, and Charles lived in a basement apartment in our place. And, you know, Ida killed 82 people yeah. in, eight, in eight states, and there were multiple drownings in New York City, including a toddler who drowned. And the majority of them lived in basement apartments. So I texted Charles and I was like, can you imagine? Because every, literally every time it rained, just normal rain in the old place, uh, the basement flooded. And like an inch or two of water, like multiple times I heard Charles, like his feet pounding up the steps and he's like, it's flooding again. <laughs> and we would have to, you know, contact our terrible, terrible landlord. Um, so, but I was like, can you fucking imagine? Like that place must have been fully underwater. Oh yeah, for sure. 
Uh, like, it's so terrible. The New York Times has testimonials from uh, people who witnessed um, tenants in basement apartments drowning. And, oh. like, they couldn't get them out in time, and they heard well, them screaming. Yeah. Like, so awful. And it, it's like, we can't even say anymore that that's our future because it's happening right now. And it's not going to stop. And New York is such an old city. Like, I see people on Twitter after major storms like this all the time. Like, oh, it's not a big deal that the subway's flooding because it, it has two purposes. It's also a drainage system. It's like, cool. Tell that to people who are wading through waist-deep water trying to get home. Like, it's such a dangerous fucking situation. And every time footage of like that is on Twitter, people are like, well, why would they bother? Like, why don't they just wait out the rain? And it's like, they got to get home. Again, these are like poor people. If you're on the subway, you're not a rich person for the most part, you know? Right, right. Like, what I always think is these people must be so desperate to do something like that and how horrible that they have to risk their personal safety to get you know, home or to get to their next job. They don't want to get fired. Some idiot was like, why doesn't she just take a bus? And it's like, yeah, in torrential rain through Manhattan, a crosstown bus. Like she's going to be three hours late for work. <laughs> like I understand why she's trying to get on the train. Just a bunch of people who don't know what the fuck they're talking about is what I'm saying. Well, and, and Ida, I mean, those things weren't even options. Like there is a video on Twitter of, um, these two girls on a bus on a, on a city oh my bus. God, that and, was crazy. Yeah. Like the water was up to the seats on the bus, which again, um, good on that bus driver, but also you are not supposed to drive through the water <laughs> when it is. I know like, again, he had no choice, but yeah. Yeah. It, uh, I, I did that once when I lived in Illinois, we had like one summer where truly it seemed like we had a tornado every day and there was a flash flood warning. And I was just, I so wanted to leave my job and just go home at the time. And so I was like, fuck it. I'll drive through it. And I, in my crappy little Saturn, I drove through water that was like almost up to my window. And oh the only reason I made it was there was a huge truck in front of me. And like, I was driving in the path that his tires were cutting through the water. <laughs> it's the only reason I didn't float away. It was such a dangerous situation. And you don't realize how fast the water rises too. That's another thing. Like I, I didn't have enough time to like consciously realize what was happening. It happened that fast. Right. Well, and that's the other thing is like in the New York example specifically, it's like, not only do they have stuff to do because they either need to get home or get to a job or something like that, but also like there's nothing else to do. Like you can't like, if it's, if it's like Ida and it's like truly like pouring and flooding the streets and stuff, it's like, okay, well there's nowhere to go if you don't get on the subway. There's no place to just like hang out and wait it out. Well, and, this depressed the shit out of me, but there were, I saw there were a bunch of servers who like stayed overnight at their restaurants. Oof. I know. Like, can you imagine you want to leave your job so badly and then you have to sleep there? Like, oh, awful. But um, oh, I've, I've done it. I, I lived in my hotel for three days during a blizzard. <laughs> One of, we have a friend who, one of our comedy friends who was in Manhattan when everything started and she did something really smart 
which again, uh, it's a privilege thing. And if you can afford to do this, she got a hotel room for the night. Yeah. She's like, I'm not going to fuck around with the subway. And I was like, oh, that's really smart. If you can do that, like, that's obviously the safe option. Mm, yep. You can probably get some good same day deals too with hotel rooms. Probably not super expensive. In New York, there's always some shady hotel to find that you can afford. Do you remember that super tacky place that was by UCB? Um, that was like, they had like the pod rooms. The hotel? Yeah. <laughs> I always wanted to go there because it just looks so tacky. Yeah, it's pretty wild. It's a oh pretty wild place. So... Yeah, guys, on that note, we're we're running a little long. So let's focus on some good news. Counting this as good news, President Biden on Thursday imposed some stringent new vaccine rules on federal workers, uh, large employers, and healthcare staff in a sweeping attempt to contain the latest surge of COVID-19. Thanks, CNN. Thanks for that summary. Um, yeah, I, I think these new requirements are great. They're going to affect as many as 100 million people, which is good. Um, and yeah, I'm like, let's just stop fucking around with these dummies who refuse to get vaccines. Like, truly, what is the plan? What is the plan that we don't like get to go back to anything close to normal for like five years or ever again? <laughs> <laughs> it seems that way. Um, yeah. I mean, even even Fauci now is talking about containment versus, you know, completely vaccinating the population. Mm-hmm. Like let's let's contain the problem, and the the quote unquote problem is grown people who would rather take horse medicine than a vaccine. I love these people who are like, I don't want to put anything unproven in my body, and then they do the most unproven <laughs> <laughs> experimental drugs they can find. It's like, what is happening? What is happening? We have now reached the point where owning the libs means killing yourself. Yep. You're you're a suicide cult. You're not a political party. <laughs> Wild. Yeah, it's uh, no. I think it's a good idea. Um, and you know, it's just I, what people are like really up in arms about it. Even though, sure, you know, it's also like you don't have nobody's forcing anybody to get vaccinated. Also, because you can just get tested, which is all like the most like uh understanding and like accommodating you know backdoor to it because it's like okay well if you don't want to get vaccinated you need to get tested every week and make sure you're not like bringing the disease into your workplace i think that's like you should like that should be standard anyway right that's the thing like i think we just need to accept that you're never going to appeal to all Americans. So maybe just appeal to the sane people (laughs) where it's like, they're never going to trust the vaccine. Like for so long, they were like, we'll trust it when the, um, 
I almost said the FCC. Uh, the FDA? The FDA, thank you. When the FDA approves it, we'll trust it, we'll take it. That benchmark came. They didn't take it. Uh, they're like, it's still too experimental. It hasn't been long enough. There's never going to be a magic date where they suddenly will trust the vaccine. So I that's why I'm putting this in good news where I'm like, yeah, you have to just have a mandate. You have to. And if he can only do it with federal employees because that's he can't force private citizens to get it, fine. But do that because then at least 100 million Americans will get vaccinated, you know? Right. Yeah, and it's also like I like I just don't understand like what people's uh, objection like we ha- are we already have vaccine mandates. We have them we've had them for decades. Yes, but do you think they're thinking that deeply about it? <laughs> or are no, they just reflexively lashing out at anyone they perceive to be a democrat? Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, the latter. Yeah, they're not a big logic crowd. Um but yeah, I mean, it is so depressing where it's like the the hatred of the Democratic Party has gotten so severe that they are willing to kill themselves or at least die from a preventable disease. Right. And that's scary. That's like, well, that's beyond logic. That's beyond hope. There's no changing your mind when you're behaving like a cultist, you know? <laughs> Yeah, it's funny because I thought there would be more of a like a reaction to like, you know, at this point it's like three. I think uh, I'd see the two, but like multiple like prominent like conservative talk radio hosts like just dying of COVID after <laughs> talking shit about it for so long. Yeah, but, like you would think there'd be some sort of like, oh wow, this is crazy, and just like absolutely not, like no reaction, no swaying, no movement. I wanted to ask you that because I know that you consume like a lot of right wing media again, which Mm -hmm. is uh, insane to me, but I don't know how you do it. But how do they handle stuff like that? Do they just not address it? Pretty much. Yeah. Handle it by uh, just not being mentally well. Um, Fair. (laughs) You know, uh, no, I uh, pretty much, I, I would say like, yeah, it, it's sort of like, well, you know, those guys, I mean, they don't address it, you know, directly, but I would say like, it's it's more like, we're not going to talk about the fact that it happened. We're just going to keep talking about the idea of like, it, it, the outcome really doesn't matter. It's it's just like, we're just going to keep talking about personal liberty and personal mm. freedom and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, they and go like, back to the greatest hits. Yeah, and it's just like, yeah, it's unfortunate this happened, but like, this is, that's what freedom is. You have to, you know, you have to give people the freedom to do what they want. They were older, they were not that healthy. So, you know, it's just, it's interesting to me that freedom is only for them. Like, we don't get the freedom to live in a world without uh, an infectious uh, virus spreading like crazy. Like, we don't have that freedom. It's only their freedom. Right. Concerned with, yeah. Absolutely, of course. Fun. Howard Stern just said that, which I was like, I forgot that. Again, 
he was the height of like shock jocks in his day. <laughs> and for him to now sound so reasonable where he's like, what about my personal freedom to go where I want without a fucking mask? Get vaccinated. I'm like, thank you, Howard. I like instantly <laughs> forget every terrible thing he ever did because yeah. everyone else has gotten so insane. <laughs> in the meantime, he seems reasonable. I know, right? Ugh. Wild. So also in good news, and I don't want you guys to freak out. You have to listen to the rest of the episode. I know you'll be tempted to close out of the window right now. Run as fast as you can to uh, this auction, but please listen until the end. 13 of the cars from Mad Max Fury Road are for sale. I repeat. Oh my God. 13 of the epic cars from Mad Max Fury Road are for sale. And that includes the war rig, which is Furiosa's ride, the huge truck. I was just like picturing myself trying to park it in Brooklyn. <laughs> like literally everyone's screaming at me. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. That's so awesome. But I can't believe they're selling these cars. They should be in a fucking museum. Yeah, that's wild. They're beautiful and they're functional because again, oh if you God. haven't seen Mad Max Fury Road, it's a lot of practical effects. It's an insane movie. Unbelievable. And people were actually driving these things. So they, they, they work um, and they're so cool. And I can't believe they're selling them. I'm shocked. Yeah, that's wild. I wonder why. I don't know. They're maybe they're not selling all of them and maybe it's like but the fact that they're selling the war rig i'm like oh that's actually like a very famous vehicle now and like why first of all you know practically i don't know who would buy it and my fear is that they're just gonna like take it apart and sell the scraps and i'm like don't do that what are you doing yeah i would i would be yeah it would have to be that or just some sort of collector or just some random rich person who wants to have it in their portfolio they built 150 vehicles for the film wow that's wow. wild oh i love that movie so much that's crazy i didn't know that 150 vehicles is wild yeah i mean it makes sense um and they probably had like multiple cars because <laughs> they were wrecking a lot of them right uh <clears throat> so Finally, in good news, I love that we have like a Britney beat on this show because it's so not out of character because we talk about pop culture a lot, but like we started talking about this story and I've felt obligated ever since then <laughs> to give like updates about Britney Spears, updates about her conservatorship, just because um, I, I feel like I'm all in at this point. I'm really invested in this story. So very good news update to it. Her awful, awful father um, has filed a petition to end the conservatorship, which is great. That is what uh, Brittany has been asking for. And a really, really important detail is she doesn't have to submit herself to a, psych a psycho uh, psychological review, which is how they have fucked her in the past. Um, mm. they would say like, oh, well, let you, if you just like talk to this psychiatrist and as soon as they clear you and it's like somebody who's never going to clear her, you know, either because they have like a vested interest or like, like, here's the thing with Brittany. I'm not saying that she doesn't have some kind of mental illness and doesn't need help, but it's like who among us doesn't, you know? 
And that's no reason to, again, going back to personal liberty, strip her of her rights, you know, like <laughs> right. you don't get to treat someone like they're five years old forever because maybe she's bipolar, you know? And again, like, I don't know that. I don't know anything about her, but like the people who are like, she clearly has something going on and she needs help. It's like, okay, so she can get help and not be in this creepy conservatorship where people are taking her money. Right. Yeah, you don't you know lose your rights because you're mentally ill. You know what's really fascinating is um, I was thinking about this the other day, and I actually went to a Netflix series called Dirty Money, and one of the episodes in the second season is about conservatorships. And oh, yeah. I went back to go rewatch it, and it's been removed. <gasps> what? Why? I don't know. I try, I looked online to see if I find out. I think probably one of the people in the show threatened to sue them. Oh, um, interesting. It goes all because, the way to the top. Like, I that would be my guess because it is a hard episode to watch. It is. I mean, they are just like, because here's the thing is like, I mean, Brittany's situation obviously very uh, unique to her, but through this through this episode i learned that like the, you don't have to be that closely related to to get granted a conservatorship over them like, well that's the you, premise of that awful movie that just came out with uh rosman pike is that her name yeah but i don't know the movie um oh you haven't seen this no um, i don't think so it is it's bad um, I, I, it's not like I wouldn't fully anti recommend it cause Peter Dinklage is in it and he, he gives a pretty epic performance. Um, she was in, uh, Rosamond, why do you work so much? Um, I care a lot. That's what it's called. Oh, you know what I did? I have heard, I have, I've heard that title. I guess I didn't know that's what the name, that's what that movie is about. Yeah. She, she gets over wealthy elderly people and steals all their money and that's like her whole gig yeah that's literally like a real thing that's what this yeah, whole episode well, of this movie is about that's partly why the movie doesn't work because it's like, <laughs> it's a real thing i mean it's just badly written um it's not a good movie uh and again i'm like if you want to see her give uh an amazing performance like that she's been in other better films giving the same performance um but yeah I, again i'm like you know maybe one rainy sunday check it out because it is yeah. there are like a couple insane moments that make it maybe worth watching and peter dinklage is in all of them nice Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's, it's great news. With, uh, you know, the thing is like, what was so interesting to me is like, I can like, I definitely think I can understand like, yeah. And maybe at some point in Brittany's life, she needed, uh, that type of help or even sure. At, I, like at the worst case, I would say like, you, you know, there might've been a time she needed a conservatorship for a very small limited period of time to stop her from making like horrible um but like the fact that it went on for just decades afterwards yeah. insane and just and just like you know the the weirdest thing about like it, it a conservatorship is so weird because it puts you in this place of like 
when you're better and you're like, I'm fine. I don't need help. And then like Mm -hmm. the judge is just like, well, we can't trust what you like. We can't trust your judgment. I mean, to the point where they won't let her go off of birth control, which is like another level. It's another (laughs) level where it's like, you're not talking about making financial decisions for her. You're now controlling her body, which is like so creepy and awful. And I think that's when like, a lot of us were following this story, but in that moment, the normies who weren't following it were like, I'm sorry, what? Like, <laughs> I think when people heard about that, they were like, oh, no, this is fucked. Yeah, I hope that, because, like, obviously, you know, with, with Brittany being such like a high-profile celebrity, obviously, I think that's why a lot of people were invested in the story. But I'm hoping, like, with... Like, well, I mean, it's not on there anymore, but like I, when, when that, when that Netflix show aired, I watched it. I was like, I, I was like, like actually like shaken at the end of the episode. Like I yeah, can't it's believe scary. this is a thing. Um, and, but I hope that more people are like aware of the issue now and like, we'll, yeah. we'll look for opportunities to like speak up about it. When- I hope so. Cause like you said, there I would hope there's a balance we can find where we can, yeah, if somebody needs help, we, we, like we as a society should offer compassionate care for people. Um, mm. But it's like, we don't want to be bothered. So <laughs> it's almost easier to give full power to somebody like that, where it's like, you do everything. <laughs> and like for people who are predatory or like in this case, um, Jamie Spears, her her dad, he's also predatory, where it was like, Cool. Yeah. He got a meal ticket for decades because he could just take her money whenever he wanted. Right. Yeah, it's just unbelievable. So congrats to Brittany. Yeah. I hope this is um, definitely going to happen. You know, like I'll believe it when I see it. But Do, do you know the one thing I, because I, I didn't read the story that closely. Um, when it, when, when it said that he's stepping down, does that mean that the conservatorship or just that he's stepping down as the conservator i think it's, i think i'm gonna appoint another one yeah so i think it is ending because i don't know at this point who would take his place right um i mean she has said too that she is open to she just like wants more input and her whole thing was she just didn't want her dad to have the conservatorship um so yeah i don't know i like honestly don't know maybe remains to be seen um but it's great either way i mean that that this is happening i mean yeah if if she has like if her voice is heard and she has somebody like helping her manage her money i think that's fine but like what was so creepy was like she can't post what she although she's going ham on instagram right now (laughs) she's posting like naked shots and stuff like that it's great i'm like so happy for her um but for so long it took her like months to post something on instagram because her her team had to approve every little thing she did and like Mm -hmm. she couldn't go out with her boyfriend when she wanted to and and yeah she can get off birth control she wants to have more babies and it's like if she can like do all that stuff and she has somebody like making sure she takes her medication and helps her with her money i still think it's a vast improvement totally oh big time absolutely listen we all need help and that's okay right 
It is okay. I'm I'm back in therapy, so I'm going to be talking like that now. Where I'm like, hey, hey nice. Hey, buddy. Hey. Uh, so please, everybody, follow Eric on the socials. Although I don't even know if you're on the socials <laughs> that much these days. I'm trying uh, not to be as much. I'm. Um, I, you know, it's, I'm trying, you know, I'm trying very hard. It's not easy. Yeah, but, no, uh, good on you. Um, E-R-E-K, I spell your name every single time and nobody listens to me. Uh, nope. It's the weird way to spell Eric. E-R-E-K underscore Smith. Smith is easy. You should remember that. Um, <laughs> please follow him. Please go support the show at lighttreason.news or my Patreon, patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny. Please send those recommendations, comments, questions, all of that good stuff. Your your wild stories. You guys have some crazy stories, and I've been enjoying reading them, so send those. And listen, I said we're approaching the spooky season. Send your dang ghost stories. I want to know when you saw a ghost. Let me know. And what Eric, are you waiting for? Eric, be on the lookout for ghosts. So you come correct the next time you're on the show and you have a ghost story? Literally right before we taped, uh, I Faith was telling me about a place in North Carolina called uh, Devil's Playground. Well, you have to go there. Um, I, I think we have to now. Yeah. there. Listen, I don't want to alarm anyone, and I would never be so bold as to claim I have a ghost, but I have a door in my apartment a closet door that just keeps opening and it doesn't matter if I block it. It doesn't matter if I like I wedged something in the door frame to keep the door closed. I walk into the room, the door is open. So she might have a ghost. Oh, it would suck if you went through the hassle of dying, coming back as a specter and literally all you can do is open a door one door would, of an apartment that's like the height of your power that would suck i would have to say right? that would feel terribly unsatisfying i hope maybe it's like uh maybe it's a process right maybe it's like a training oh, warming you know, up. yeah you know you gotta learn step to... one open the door step two possess the girl whose apartment i live in <laughs> Exactly. You have to learn how to interact with the corporeal world. You have yeah, to you know, yeah. baby steps. Step three, astral projection. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, that makes me feel better. Cause I was like, man, how frustrating to be a ghost. You can't <laughs> leave. And literally the only way you can express yourself is by opening a single door or like knocking over a vase. <laughs> <laughs> you're a cat. You're basically a cat. If you're right. A ghost. <laughs> right. Are ghost cats or cats ghosts? Maybe it's a ghost cat. Wow. Ghost cat. All right, everybody. I'll leave you on that very heady note. Let me know your thoughts. Are cats ghosts or ghost cats? Please let me know. I'm on the socials at Allison Kilkenny everywhere. That's my handle. Every place I go. Thank you so much for listening. And while you're at it, get out there if you're vaccinated and cause a little trouble.